0: I want people to have hope that that it doesn't matter if they're scarred or if they're broken or if they're overweight or underweight or, you know, they have they have depression or they're autistic or anything. You know, there there is still there is still a possibility that you will find someone who will accept you for who you are and love you for who you are. And and you shouldn't give up on that.
1: Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy. But it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. For today's episode, I, we are joined I'm by Alberto, Patricia Eddy, Patricia writes romance with beautifully broken steam scenes. Fueled I'm joined by, by coffee, fellow romance wine, and Doctor Who episodes on repeat. In I have TARDIS blanket behind me. <laughs> on writing <laughs> all the <laughs> naughty stuff. <bits. laughs> she <laughs> brings
0: damaged heroes back, relax, and, and heroines join together us to find their happy ever after in many different
1: worlds. From military to paranormal to BDSM, her characters are unstoppable forces, colliding with such heat parks always fly. Patricia makes her home in Seattle with her husband and very spoiled cats. And when she's not writing, she loves working on home improvement projects, especially if they involve power tools. Her award-winning Away From Keyboard series will always be her first love because that's where she realized the characters in her head were telling their own stories and she was just writing them down. Patricia, this is such a joy to have you. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for for having me. This is great. I'm
0: excited. Um, You have a lot of books. How many books out do you have? Um, I don't know. I, I, I have lost, (laughs) every once in a while I count because people ask me this. And so it's, but I also have a pen name for like, like Alien Romance. And like, I mean, I don't make any secret of it. It's just, I, I threw out four, four Alien Romance books under, under, under Tempest Luna just because I wanted to try the genre and I thought it would be fun. And it was, and I had a blast. Um, so it's always a question of whether to count those, but it's somewhere around 30, give or take, (laughs) That's a lot.
1: That's a, that's a lot of books. Like that's like a super impressive amount of books. Like I'm kind of like mind blown. How do you even get to like, it just seems like that number seems completely unattainable to me. (laughs) Like,
0: I'm just like, wow. (laughs) Wow. It it just, it sort of sneaks up on you. Like, you know, I, I knew like people would ask me that question and I, oh, I have five. Oh, I have seven. Oh, I have 10. And then once I got like above like 12, then I just I kept going. Well, okay. Well, no. How many? No, I. Okay, one, two. Okay, which ones? <laughs> All right, four in that series, three in that series. Okay, okay carry the two. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> a lot. <laughs>
1: so, when did you realize that you wanted to become a writer? When did that sort of dawn on you?
0: I I have always written. Um, one of my first memories is actually sitting at my parents' um, kitchen counter and um, typing out like one pager short stories when I was like eight or something like that. I mean, I don't I don't even know what age and I don't have any of them anymore. And I'm sure they were probably horrible, but and I doubt they had any plot, but still I did it because I I was an only child and we lived out in the country. And so it was basically read books and use my imagination. <laughs> um I didn't have any friends near me. Like if I wanted to have a play date with a school friend, like one of the moms had to drive us and we none of my friends even lived in town, like they all lived in the next town. Wow. so like you know, I mean, we we had play dates, but but most of my time was entertain yourself. Here's a book. you know, so i would I would go get stacks from the library. like I would check out their maximum every time my mom would t- would take me and and then, you know that's that's just all, all those characters would get in my head, and then I would just make up my own stories with them. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Now what, when you are taking out these stacks, were they, were
1: they romance? Were they all, cause you're, you write romance, but like mm-hmm. you were saying, you write alien, you write military, you write paranormal. Like I'm guessing you have like a huge broad
0: interest in, or a huge broad reading list. I, I read a little of everything. Um, I, I don't, about the only thing I don't read a lot of is historical romance. And, and that really is just because so many times if I'm reading a historical romance, like something in them will like distract my brain. Wow. I have, I have massive ADHD. And so then I'll go want to look, go look up everything and like right. find out everything about what, whatever this historical, you know, fact is or, or event that happened. And so I tend to limit my historical romance reading to when I know I'm not on a deadline because otherwise I will get horribly distracted. Um, But like, I I read a lot of nonfiction. I, I read, I read a lot of romance. I read sci-fi. I read, um, I've read some historical fiction, like just without romance. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, when I was a kid, it was all like, I mean, seriously, it was anything I could get my hands on. It was, it was, you know, the babysitters club and Nancy Drew and the Hardy boys and, and Trixie Belden, and um but at the same time, it was also like all of the Judy Bloom books. Like mm-hmm. I read those forever, and then and then I discovered Irma Bombeck when I was a teenager. And I, I did started, too. Like, I read all of her.
1: I loved her stuff. I did too. Yeah. 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 Oh my god! You think you're the so... only person I've met that loves Irma? Bombeck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she had a quote, and and it stuck with me forever. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna munge it because other people have have like used it and, and um, made it their thing. But her quote was something like normal is just a washing machine setting. Yeah. And, and, and someone else wrote a book and I forget what it was, but it was normal. is just a setting on your dryer. And like that, that whole concept, like just stuck with me for my entire life. And like, that's, I've always loved that, that thing, that, that idea that no, we're nobody's normal. We're all, we're all unique. And, and so that's, you know that helped me accept myself a lot more than I think I would have without it. So yeah, I, I credit Irma Bombek for me being at least partially sane. So,
1: as a writer, what what drew you to writing romance? Like, what is it about writing romance that you're like, yeah, this is this is the genre?
0: I I love the um, really how the characters form their relationships. Like, you know, the happy ever after is a bonus. I and mean, obviously, romance requires a happy ever after. And yes, I want my characters to all be happy ever after. But I love the whole figure yourself out and figure yourself out in the context of someone else, and and how who you are changes uh, slightly based on who you're with, and how mm. you know one person can bring out the best in you, where, whereas another person can bring out the worst in you. And so yeah, it's all of those, those intricacies and, and those interconnected pieces that form a complete person. And, and so, yeah, that's the part that I really, really love about it.
1: That's really, that's really kind of interesting. A lot of people say it's the happily ever after, it's the happily ever after, but I think, yeah, that process of getting to the happily ever after too. um, Yeah. That process of discovery for both characters is pretty extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So, you just had a book release of Rogue, Protec- Rogue Protector, and this is the spinoff yep. from Away From Keyboard. So yep. I wanted to sort of ask about Away From Keyboard first before we dive into Rogue mm-hmm. Protector and talk about the fun bits.
0: Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so tell me about Away From Keyboard. So I, I am a geek. Um, my day job is actually for a, a technology company. Um, so I, I used to be a computer programmer um, I, I, I still dabble in, I mean, like, you know, I'm, my husband is a geek too. So in our house, he's the one who like does all of the like computer setup and AV audiovisual and stuff like that. But, but for, you know, all my friends, I'm the one they call. I'm the one, you know, <laughs> I can't, I can't get my, my kids distance learning program to work. What do I do? Okay, well, let's talk through this. Like I used to run help desk and, and all of that. And so, um, I, I got very, um, I got very frustrated when you're, um, and I don't even remember what the show was called. I, I want to say it was like Spider or something like that, but it was a, and it was a good show. Like, I mean, I liked the show, but it was on TV. It was a, it was a, uh, ensemble cast and they all like solved crimes and, and they worked for the government and there were some secret agency organization. And, but Every single piece of tech they used, my husband and I would sit there watching the show and just go, no, you can't do that. You just, no, you just can't do that. And like things like, um, I, I loved uh, 24 with Kiefer Sutherland when yeah. it was on, but every, every single season, like he went the entire 24 hours without charging his phone. And it worked <laughs> the whole time. And I'm like, no, that does not happen. You can't do that. Cause he's using it all the time. It's not like it's just sitting there. And so I wanted to write a series. I wanted to write a, a, a series of books that used technology accurately and where it still was exciting and still was suspenseful, but, but it was actually real and you could believe that it worked. And so that's, that's where that came from. And, and actually a friend of mine's son um, is the one who suggested the name um, because AFK is what you would type if you're a gamer, when oh, yeah. you leave your keyboard and like go get a snack. You you tell your your gaming group, "Okay, I'm going to be AFK for 10 minutes." And away from keyboard. And so that's that was where the name came from.
1: <laughs> this is so fascinating to me because, you know, you always hear about like cops when they read like a a police they watch a police procedural mm-hmm. or they read um you know a detective novel and they're like that would never happen or you know and like that sort of thing that drives them crazy that gets under their skin and you never really think about technology and people who work in tech are like yeah okay no that's bullshit
0: <laughs> you, know, yep. you,
1: you don't think but but because as technology becomes more and more entwined with you know with our lives and of course it's in the creative work that that you know, that we're writing, like, yeah, that those inaccuracies to a tech worker must be like on par to like, well, that would never happen.
0: (laughs) Yep, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like, I I yell at the TV the whole time sometimes. And like, um, um, I forget, there's actually a scene in the first, um, is it's the first book? Yeah, it's the first book in the Away From Keyboard series. Um, And I think the movie was Enemy of the State um which again like i loved the movie but right. i there were several times in that movie i was just like no that can't happen that we don't have the technology for that now like no that isn't. and i actually went and like described that scene in the book and 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 it's a pivotal <laughs> moment for my my heroine and one of her best friends is like they bonded over both hating the technology in this particular movie because it wasn't accurate that's fantastic <laughs> okay so now we have but now rogue protector is the spinoff. Yes. So why, like, why did you decide to do the spinoff? Well, it, w- it really was a couple of different reasons, and and some of them I think are silly, and some of them I think are real, and and <laughs> or not silly. And um, part of it was I wanted, I just wanted. So with the way from keyboard, all of the titles follow, or most of the titles follow a similar pattern. It's a, a verb that ends in ing, a short, you know, a a a, a preposition, and then a noun. And it gets really hard to come up with names that fit that pattern over and over and over again and have them be unique. And I broke the mold for a couple of books in that series just because they had to be named what they were named. But at the same time, it was like, well, it, readers expect some form of, simula- of um, similarities. And so I kind of wanted to break free of that a little bit. Um, the, when I, when I came up with the concept for the series and the titles for, for the Gone Rogue series, it was, oh, well I could just do, it would be so easy to name them. I could do Rogue Protector and Rogue Defender and Rogue Officer and Rogue Operator. Oh, it'd be so simple. Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. No more, because I hate finding out, I hate figuring out titles. Um, but the other part of it was I, I wanted to take things like all of the Away From Keyboard series are former military. Right. and and that's great and i'm going to continue that series like that series is not over by any means um i I have probably at least seven or eight more books in that series i want to write at least but i also wanted to highlight um or start a series with former intelligence um, officers whether or not they were in the military like the the character in rogue protector is former air force but um I I wanted there to not have to necessarily be that requirement that they were Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marines, that type of thing, that that they could just be somebody, they could be a civilian, they could be somebody who was recruited right out of college or something like that. And, and doing the intelligence community gives me a broader um, canvas to work on in terms of, like where they can go and what they can do both within the law and outside of, outside of the law. Right. And so it's just, it was, it was a good stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Uh, how do
1: you, uh, w- doing the a military, uh, the, a military series, doing a, um, an intel officer series, like what is your research process for these books?
0: So I read a lot of nonfiction. Um, so any any biography, autobiography, you know, memoir of of former um, former military, former intelligence officers, like I am on it. Like that is, I I I actually do those in audiobook um, as opposed to actually physically read, physically you know, have a put them on my Kindle or or, or buy the book um, because I I think I process it better that way. But I listen I so I listen to to military and, and intelligence nonfiction all the time. Um, but I also have a good handful of um, former military, uh, both men and women, um, some of whom are, are my readers. And and in fact, one of my readers was totally instrumental in in figuring out everything that needed to be correct in how to like be disciplined in the military for right. what um, for what my character had done in in Rogue Protector. Um, she was she was fantastic so much of a help but so yeah so I, I i have a good number of people that I talk to um intelligence community is obviously harder simply because yeah. um they tend to um you know things are more top secret that they can't talk about um so i'm I'm definitely always open to finding new sources um but yeah it, it's i I do my best to talk to the people who actually do what my characters do and and that also goes for, talking to the people who um deal with what my characters are dealing with because the my my tagline really is romance for the beautifully broken and i try and write characters who have physical and mental um scars and Mm. and challenges and whether they're whether it's being blind or um being deaf or having a limp or or you know arthritis or anxiety adhd depression um, Uh, seizures, things like that. I, I always try and find two or three people who can really give me the, look, this is what it's like to live with asthma. This is what I have to worry about. This is, you know, this is what it's like. If you, if you literally cannot see like, or, or all you see are shadows, this is how you go about your day. I, I was, I thought that that part of your work it was so
1: interesting because obviously you have all these scarred, broken characters and you're also writing them at their most vulnerable when you're, you know, Mm -hmm. emotionally and physically vulnerable when you're writing, um, these intimate scenes with them. And so I'm curious, like what, first, what draws you to that characters? And then what is it like to have them in this, put them in these super vulnerable positions?
0: So I, I, have, I have a diagnosed anxiety disorder and PTSD, um, and so that was kind of what first drew, drew me to writing these characters, is that I knew I was dealing with things, mm. and that my reactions to a quote-unquote normal situation didn't necessarily, like other people wouldn't necessarily understand them. And so I wanted to try and do my best to help other people understand what it was like to be somebody with anxiety and be somebody with PTSD um, and going through, you know, finding finding that that comfort level with someone to be able to, to talk about the things that were bothering you. Um, because, you know, those of us with, especially with anxiety, um, it's such a big problem and people without anxiety, without like a diagnosed anxiety disorder, you can't, you can't really understand what it's like. And, 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 and it's not, it's not for lack of time. Like most, most people are very empathetic, but it's just like, you can't turn it off. You can't ever like, I can tell myself, Oh, I'm having anxiety. This is okay. I'm, nothing's really wrong. This is just my mm-hmm. anxiety, but that doesn't stop me from feeling like I'm about to pass out. It just mentally I can process it, but it doesn't stop anything right so so that's kind of what you know what what drew me to it and what made me want to to start writing about it and then I started getting readers telling me that that for the first time in their lives they felt seen and and that was that was what just sort of cemented the nope this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life this is these are the characters I'm writing this is what I this is my calling because I I didn't feel seen for a really long time in, in I, I wasn't diagnosed with either ADHD or anxiety or PTSD until I was um, 40. And so, wow. you know, I lived my whole life thinking there was something wrong with me or knowing there was something wrong with me really, but never knowing that it was actually literally something wrong, like right. <laughs> feeling, feeling weird and feeling not, not normal. And, the, and I remember the first like the first day or not Not the first day, but like the third day that I was on medication, I called a friend and I'm like, is this what normal people feel like? Is this what a human being feels like, like every day, like, like this level of, oh my, I can concentrate, I can do stuff. And she's like, yeah. Wow. I never knew that. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's just it's that it's, I want people to have hope that, that it doesn't matter if they're scarred or if they're broken or if they're overweight or underweight or, you know, they have, they have depression or they're autistic or anything, you know, there, there is still, there is still a possibility that you will find someone who will accept you for who you are and love you for who you are. And, and you shouldn't give up on that. Uh, So, yeah. I love it. absolutely Uh, love that. Yeah. Okay. So, we're
1: all about the steam here, so let's <laughs> let's get dirty. Okay, so what to you, to you, what makes a sex scene good? Whether you're reading it, writing it, like to you, what is your ultimate? Like, oh yeah, this sex scene is, this is this
0: this is what drives it. It's it's the emotion. It's not it's not necessarily the physical actions. It's it's trying to convey the emotion without like going overboard on the words for the emotion, because you put too many emotion words in there and then it's not all about the sex. Then it's about the love, which is, you know, good. Like, I mean, both, both, both aspects have, have, um, have their place, but yeah, I want, I want a sex scene to to have a purpose like I don't want it to just be, oh wait, I'm writing a romance I need a sex scene let's throw one in <laughs> like there needs to be there needs to be a reason why it's there and and I think a lot of minds start out as um, one character trying to like heal the other or accept the other or tell or convey to the other that they are not um, that, that they're being broken does not mean that they can't be loved. And so, really, in a sex scene, I I want to see some character growth um, somewhere through it. But obviously, like not not a ton. Like it's not their breakthrough moment of, oh my gosh, I'm okay because this person this person thinks I'm okay and maybe I really am okay and all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that now. No, but yeah, there has to be that that there have to has to be both basically both right. both emotion and and the physical. Right. So in terms of, I don't know, you've written so many books at
1: this point, I don't even know if you're going to be able to answer this, but do you remember what it was like to write your first one?
0: Um, let's see, my first one, not, not really, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, it was so long ago, and see, I also, I wrote, like, probably 10 books that I never published and never will, because I never finished them um, before I ever finished anything and published it, so... So, my first one was really probably like you know fifteen years ago at least, and it was probably horrible um, and it probably wasn't even complete. In fact, I probably got halfway through and went and finished sex scene here um, <laughs> and then moved on because I just I do that a lot, actually I mean I do too times, i mean i I think readers think we think we all love writing sex scenes and and as much as I do because I mean I am a romance author, there are times I'm like I just can't write another sex scene right now. I just can't go back. Write sex scene later. <laughs> in parentheses. Move on. Get to the end of the book. I'll go finish that. Finish that up in a couple of days.
1: <laughs> there, it, I'm the slowest. Like I can't. Like I will be able to knock out a thousand words in an hour, right? But if mm-hmm. I have to write an intimate scene, it'll take me four hours to get to seven hundred words. It's like it for some reason. It's just that sort of like brings my process or grinds it to a halt.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause there's a there yeah. is a lot to think about when you're crafting yeah, there's it. There's a lot.
0: Exactly. I mean like even just the physical, like okay, well where's his arm? Or where's his other arm? All right, well how's he doing that? Like could he even do that? Oh my God. And like there there have been times I have literally like either gone to YouTube and searched for things or <laughs> or gotten like drawn little stick figures or like, you know, literally laid down on my bed and gone okay well if I put my hand here and then my other hand is here all right uh uh, uh honey can you come help me for a minute okay just put your hand there no don't do anything no we're, we're not actually we're not actually having sex I'm, I'm thinking you know no just put, your <laughs> hand there. Just put your hand there and hang hang out there for a minute and you know, it's it's like the, the the unsexiest part ever but yeah that, it's there's a lot to think about and because like I've read a number of sex scenes where I'm like, wait a minute, he would need to have four hands. He does not have four hands. This is not an alien romance. This is this is a human. How did he do that? <laughs> so what is your process then for doing, for for writing this? Like,
1: because, you know, like I know for me, I do the choreography first and then I need to go in and layer into the, the feelings and the emotions and stuff like that. What is your process?
0: Um, it, it really changes per book. It depends on what mental state I'm in at the time. Um, the, uh, the staying home all the time and, and the pandemic have, have really sort of altered everything that I would have considered normal yeah. uh, or everything that I would have, that that I used to do. And so really, uh, it's, I tend to, I am not a write first, edit second type of writer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm also an editor by trade, so I, I tend to edit myself while I write. Okay. Um, so it's, it is, um it's a lot of get some rough stuff down, like just basic ideas. Okay, they're going to do this. You know, he's going to go down on her. She's going to then, you know, need a couple minutes and before she goes goes to him and she's not going to go down on him yet because she's not ready for that. So they're just going to have straight vanilla sex and then they're going to fall asleep. And then the next day, okay, second sex scene, she'll go down on him. Okay, so there's that. So like, you know, sometimes I'll just sort of sketch that out. But it really kind of depends because when I start a book, a lot of times uh, I start it with a scene in my head and that scene could be anywhere. It could be an action scene. It could be a sex scene. It could be a tender moment scene. It could be, it could only have one of the characters in it, but a lot of times that scene is what I, I sort of base everything else around. And if it's a sex scene, then, then by the time I get there, I know it so well that I just write the whole thing. Like I know the emotions and I know the blocking okay. and I know all of it because like, it's been playing on a loop in my head for three weeks while I wrote everything up until then. Right. So yeah, it really, it really varies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna read a couple bits here um, okay. from, from the scene uh, that you that you sent me. Can you set it up a little bit for us?
0: Where are we in the book? so this this is second sight. this is um this is book four from the away from Keyboard series. and uh, the hero of this book, Dax, um is blind. He was blinded uh, while a prisoner of war in Afghanistan. and um, so most people don't understand that that when somebody says they're blind, it's not like they can't see anything. Most people can see have some form of vision, but still most most people who identify as blind have some, Limited amount of vision, whether it's they can see a little bit of light, or they can see some haze, or they can see colors, and it it there's it runs the whole spectrum. So Dax can kind of see like shadows. Um, so he can see movement, but he can't like see any details. It's I describe it as like looking through a um, a, a window that you've smeared like this really thick layer of Crisco on. Uh, like mm. so you you know, you can tell if it's light or dark outside, but that's about all you can tell. Um, so Dax and Eviana are on the run, um, there's somebody after her, and, and that someone has just discovered where Dax lives, and so they're, they're in a hotel, they don't completely know who's after her yet, but they know that the person is dangerous, and so, um, so, yeah, so that's where they are. So his, his apartment has just been tossed, her house isn't safe anymore, and so they're both just, I don't know what to do, and, and since they're in this hotel room, um, the emotional kind of hook for this scene is that um, Dax has always been very self-conscious about being blind and nobody has ever really understood him um, and what he's going through. And Eviana just like, she remembered from his apartment like where the toothpaste was supposed to go. Because mm-hmm. if, you know, if you're blind, you, everything goes in a specific spot and if it's not there, you can't find it. And so, you know, he has that emotional, um, oh my God, this woman actually understands me because she remembered exactly what order my toothpaste, mouthwash, and toothbrush need to go in. Um, now, how, how did he end up blind? Uh, he, it was, um, uh, I believe I ended up on a drain cleaner that was poured in his eyes okay. uh, while he was a POW. Okay, all right. And this happened uh, six years prior to um to the scene yes okay
1: okay cool okay i'm gonna start reading okay ready kissing her it's like coming home to a home i never i never knew i wanted or needed hesitant at first she waits for me to take control and i do threading my fingers through her silky locks and angling her head for better access tracing the seam of her lips i wait for her to open for me when she does, I let my tongue tangle with hers in bold, sweeping strokes, and the purr low in her throat tells me I haven't completely forgotten how to kiss a woman. The first hints of her arousal sent the air so sweet I ache to taste her, but when she grasps the bottom of my T-shirt, my entire body tenses, and I pull back, panicked dredging up all the ways I've played the scenario out in my head and all the ways it could end very badly. Turn off the light, I wheeze. No, Eviana straddles me and fuck, she feels so good with her sex pressed against my cock. Not unless it's hurting your eyes. I can't lie to her. Hell, that's the first thing they drill into you in special forces training. You do not lie to your team, ever. And Eviana is absolutely my team. You don't want to see me. Oh my God. All the feels. All the feels. So much trepidation here mm-hmm. um, from him. And the desire sort of warring with his, you know, his, his discomfort with his, uh, with his disability, with his disfigurement Mm -hmm. um, was a very different dynamic than what we're used to reading, which I thought was really, really fascinating. What was it? what, What was it like to write that?
0: It, I mean, it was very. I mean, I think we we all have we all have parts of ourselves we're not comfortable with, um, and and but very few of us have as much as as a lot of my characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in, in addition to being blind, I mean, Dax and his and his brother in arms were tortured for fifteen months, so they're very their they, their bodies are very scarred too. Okay, uh, which is why he didn't want her to to take off his shirt because he he's just he's he's you know like a jigsaw puzzle of of scars, mm-hmm. um, and and so it's a lot of times it's very hard for me to write those scenes because I, I try and put myself in that position as much as I can. Um, Even though, I mean, you know, my scars are limited to, you know, the one I got falling off my bike when I was 13 and, and the one I got when I was 16 on my knee, that's the size of a quarter, you know, that's, that's like, that's, that's nothing like nobody cares about stuff like that. Um, But, but, you know emotionally it's i think we can all kind of identify with with being afraid to open up to someone right. um i think everybody has in their life at some point unfortunately been betrayed by somebody that who they trusted and so um those are the types of things that i try and tap into when i'm writing a scene like this um because most of my characters you know by the time they be until they find the one that they're supposed to be with, like they've had a string of bad relationships where, where, um, you know, like the, they're they went on three dates and they thought everything was going great. And then they decided to have sex. And the minute the woman saw their scars, you know, she turned herself off and like left or, or, or the guy did that. I mean, depending on, depending on the book. Um, so, so yeah, it's just, it's, it, it can get kind of dark. Like there, there are, there are days that, that I, like, I will have to tell my husband, look, I'm writing a really dark scene or I'm writing a really, really, really tough scene. So just, you know, just realize I am I'm, I'm not going to be myself for uh, today, t- tonight, you know, just right. I'm not going to be myself maybe for a couple of days, but right. I'll be fine after that. But like, you know, let me get through that.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought, I, I thought the use of the scars, Mm -hmm. through the through the scene and their dynamic and this is um you know their first time together so this is a real discovery for her and Mm -hmm. you know and and obviously for him uh, uh, kind of opening himself up to her um that i thought was so beautiful and gave this gave the scene such poignancy Mm -hmm. to sort of read through and be in his world in his head as she's making these discoveries and he's allowing her to kind of discover it Mm -hmm. so like um, her skin, her skin is so soft, and her nipples scrape against my chest as I angle my body over hers. When she smooths her hand down my back, I tense as she feels the the hundreds of scars, the hundreds of scars cr- crisscross crossing my shoulders. But her hips shift under me, and she keens softly, like "Oh, hundreds of scars just going across mm-hmm. his shoulders," and and him knowing that she's experiencing that and that sort of. I guess his, oh shit moment. Mm -hmm. And then her being completely, you know, opening herself completely to him, I thought was absolutely Mm -hmm. poignant. Like I was like, you know, sort of clutching my heart (laughs) as this is going on.
0: (laughs) Well, good. That's, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want readers to to feel.
1: And, but knowing now that you have like this whole sort of body of work that, Mm -hmm. that, has characters that are physically scarred and going through this. I mean, that is really quite
0: uh, quite compelling. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's it, it, I. It, it's it was it took me a while to kind of get to. I mean, all really, my very first first book, the first book I published, the heroine is is badly scarred, um, and and so really, it like this has always been something that I have wanted to do, and I've I've in, tried to do, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't really I think until this series that I just kind of cemented nope this is how it this is this is exactly like this is this is exactly what I'm supposed to be to be doing um because before then it was just all and not that I got it wrong because I don't think I did but it was just it was getting to that point of no these are the types of books that aren't out there a lot that that I really I want there to be more of
1: right right um, okay, so I'm going to read this other bit that I absolutely loved. Um, and again, it's it's kind of his, it, I loved experiencing this sort of at the same time that he was experiencing <laughs> that this moment, which was so cool. This, I never thought I wish I could see her face. See her eyes go hooded and dark before her release, but without the visual, I can simply feel, taste, listen. Swiping my tongue gently through her folds. It's all honey and slick heat. I was really struck by you're creating a scene with um, a person who can't see Mm -hmm. and needs to rely on other senses because a lot of, you know, sexual attraction Mm -hmm. is a very is a very visual thing. Mm Um, or it sort of starts with that. And here you have a character who can't see, who doesn't have the visual and is relying on other, um, other senses. And so
0: I was wondering if you could talk a bit about that. Well, so luckily, fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, um, if, if I, if I take my glasses off, I am blind. Um, I, I cannot... I cannot see really much of anything. Um, I like, I mean, I'm looking at my desk right now, and I just took my glasses off, and I can see my computer. I can see that there is a a, a window on my computer, but I don't know what it is. I can't tell what it is. Um, I I can see my my cup of water. Like I can see where it is, and because I know where it is, I can I can reach for it and I can grab it. Um, but like I I know there's a pen on my desk. I can't see it. Uh, that's too oh. small. It's just I, I I can't see that at all, and so a, a lot of a lot of what uh, Dax sees is really similar to kind of what I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, his vision is definitely worse, um, and his can't be corrected. But it, it, I I have when I wrote that scene, it was I spent a, a long time just closing my eyes and imagining what what I would do and how I would, you know, what I would rely on. And like, when I, if I have to get up in the middle of the night and, you know, go pee or something I, like, I don't, I don't open my eyes. Like, I mean, I don't need to, I know where everything is. Right. Uh, when, when my husband and I I got together, um, I, I had to tell him, you can't leave anything on the floor. Like, you just can't, you can't leave things on the floor in the bedroom because if I get up in the middle of the night, I won't see them. Right. I can't see them. And nothing is going to change that. And so, um, but I think because of that, I am very, I'm very um, attuned to my other senses. Like for me, Mm -hmm. the sense of smell is, is incredibly powerful. And so um, pretty much all the Away From Keyboard books, like the, the, both the male and female characters have a specific scent. And, and it's something that I pick when I'm, Starting to write the book, and like I will buy, um, I'll buy soap that smells like the guy, and I'll buy um, oh wow lotion that smells like the heroin, um, and that's what I'll use the entire time I'm writing the book. Like I will use those so that I have them surrounding me all the time, and and that kind of helps ground me into the character. Oh, that's uh, great! I love that. <clears throat> yeah, I really love and, that. And and it, it just it, like it just helps get me into their headspace. If mm-hmm. like I'm always smelling freesia. Uh, which is what Eviana smells like. It's like if I know what that smells like, and I can tell, like when I walk by my, you know, my bath towel, or you know, it, it, that it smells like sandalwood. Okay, well that's that's what eviana would smell when she, you know, walks by the bathroom and or walks by Dax, and like it's just, it it helps me get in tune with my other senses. I think more than than normally.
1: Right, right. Oh, I absolutely love that idea of getting the scent that your characters, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of wear or smell like. I think that that's really cool to, like, go out there and buy the soap or the body lotion. I might try that because that's such a fun (laughs) idea. Like, I really love that idea. Thank you for that.
0: (laughs) It's also really helpful at, like, you know, if we ever have physical book signings, again, like, like I give away, when I've given away swag, like, it's hey this is this is the this is the second sight swag and here's you know it's got a little 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 thing of freesia body lotion in it that type of thing oh that's really cool <laughs> yeah it is I mean it, it's just you know readers readers like that sort of thing and and I like being able to do it and just like remind people because like not everybody knows what sandalwood smells like yeah. or you might not know that what that that particular scent is sandalwood like you've probably smelled it before but do you make that association maybe not and it's just cool to be able to do that.
1: <laughs> that is really cool. I love that idea.
0: Give it out yeah. a swag when you're done. That's really a great <laughs> idea.
1: Okay, I've got one more that I thought was like this sort of wow moment um, that I wanted to go through. Okay. <clears throat> Reaching down between us, I swipe my fingers through her slick folds, and when I pinch her clit, she screams my name and I can't hold on. My hips thrust faster, harder, and as her inner walls pulse around me, what's left of my vision goes white. My heartbeat roars in my ears, and I finally let go. And that moment, and you know, it's so funny because earlier in the podcast you had said something um, to the effect of, you know, the the le- using the least amount of words possible to get to the the that heightened emotion and that intensity. And like one of the things that I noted was like there is such an economy of words here <laughs> with with what you're writing to get. To what is a really big feeling, a really big mm-hmm. climax, if you please, um, <laughs> which I thought was pretty, you know, really, wow, like really, really extraordinary
0: yeah, i i um I think being being an editor has definitely helps me like not like go on and on and on where it would be too much. and um and and sometimes i I definitely think it also works against me. Um, but that's why I have really good beta readers and really good, and a really good editor myself who goes, um, wait a minute. Um, how did they get here? Nice. Um, he, they, he was just across the room a couple seconds ago. Now they're in bed. You know, you missed something there. Um, cause I, I, I do tend to try and write, you know, sparsely if I can. Um, but, <clears throat> but again, a lot of it is just focusing on the emotions rather than, than all of the physical details, um. I forget who who the quote was by, and I'm now I'm gonna have to look it up because it's gonna bug me. But um, if if you've ever read *Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy* uh, by Douglas Adams, mm-hmm. nowhere in that book does he describe what the spaceship looks like. Because in his mind, a spaceship is a spaceship. Everybody right. can picture a spaceship. Now they might get some of the details wrong, but does it really matter? No, there it's a spaceship. Instead, he spends like three pages describing how to create how to brew the perfect cup of tea, and so that's that's kind of the philosophy that I that I go off of. Um, if if you're a reader, I mean, really, un- unless unless you are a very young virgin reader, um, you know you know what it's like to have sex. <laughs> you you know what sex is. You you know you know that you know tab A goes into slot B. That type right. of thing. Um, so yes, I need to describe some of that, but some of it, I also like to leave to the imagination because that way my readers can imagine themselves in the story. If, if I am describing every single movement and every single, um, physical thing that's around, you know, every, you know, the color of the sheets and, and how fluffy the pillows are and all of that, um. It, it makes it harder for a reader to say to to think, oh, okay, I, I'm in my bedroom. This is happening to me. I'm I'm I wanna I'm gonna completely immerse myself in this book. Um, but wait a minute, my sheets are brown and their sheets are pink. And you know it's just it's just that one extra thing that if it doesn't matter, if it doesn't matter what color the sheets are, why do I need to tell you? Right. I mean, you know, obviously there's sometimes that it might matter what color the sheets are or what color the walls are or whatever. And, and I do like, I do describe things quite often, but it's, there's so much of it that I I want, I want the reader to be able to imagine little things that I might not even have thought of because they're, they're important to the reader. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you because in Rogue Protector, Mm -hmm.
1: you have, uh, the, the, our heroine, the female character, she's Muslim. And mm-hmm. she comes from a very conservative background and, um, and I'm assuming she's never had sex before. Is that, or is that the wrong assumption?
0: Um, She has had sex. Um, okay. She is not a practicing, her parents are, are, are devout Muslims. Um, she does not practice even though she does have, she does share many of their beliefs, um, but she's okay. not, she's never been a, 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 just a, a, a devout practicing Muslim. Okay. Um, and so she's, um, both of those characters are older. The hero is um, forty-five or forty-six. I never remember which one. I have it written down somewhere. Um, and she's she's forty, and so okay. she's had three. She said three. She's had sex three times in her life, basically. Okay. Um, so she's only ever had sex with with men that she thinks she might be close to falling in love with, um, okay. or thinks she might be able to love. Okay. And um, so. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really feel like I wanted to write a virgin. Um, I, it, there's a whole extra level of care and of detail that you kind of need to take when you are writing a virgin. Um, that I, I just for this book, it just didn't feel right uh, for this character. Um, but yeah, but she is. She is definitely very, very, um, very conservative. Just in that. Um, she was raised to, you know, you don't show a lot of skin, and you don't, you're not promiscuous, and you don't. You know, you, there's, there's just so many things you don't do, like you don't go after a guy, you don't express your interest in a guy, you wait for them to, to express interest. So a lot of, of, of very conservative um, beliefs, and a lot of very, um, very not the way I am. <laughs> <In terms> of, <laughs> like I, I mean, it's in in not, not the way I am either, but, but like, yeah, like I, I would never, I, I don't worry about things like that. And so part of the reason that I wanted to, to do that was I wanted to explore the headspace of, of being, a feeling that way. And I also, like, I try and write as diverse characters as I can, yeah. um, to a point, I mean, like there's, um, there's certain things that i've never experienced and so i can't necessarily write about them unless i have really really good resources and sensitivity Mm -hmm. readers who will help me um and so i didn't i didn't necessarily want to make her a practicing muslim because i didn't have i didn't have enough resources to to help me understand all of the nuances um of being practicing right but i i have friends who were raised that way uh, who were raised Muslim. and so you know I could ask them questions and they're not practicing and I so I could ask them, okay well what what was it like growing up? What did your parents like what did you have to do and what did you how is it different? you know how now that you're an adult and you've talked to your friends, how were what are the differences you notice in how you and they were raised and and things like that and so that was that was easy for me to to do and 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 hopefully get mostly pretty much right. So. so I'm kind of curious, how come you decided to create a, a female character that maybe
1: wasn't um, as experienced as some of the other characters um, uh, in, in, and and had some conservative, uh, I mean, I hate to say like conservative leanings because that sounds so political and it's not, this is not <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what I mean. Right, but, you right. You know, there, there's the, in a romance and in a steamy romance, you know, it's mm-hmm. I just I found that really fascinating that 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 was something that you were exploring.
0: So, most of my books, and and there are some that are different, um, but but really in in especially in the Away from Keyboard series and in this series, like, the focus is much more on the emotional parts of the romance than the sexy parts of the mm. romance. Which doesn't mean they don't have sex; they do. Um, it just means that there are fewer, like I think. I'm pretty sure almost all of the, the away from keyboard books, I'm just trying to go through them all. I'm pretty (laughs) sure most of them only have three sex scenes in them, give or take. Um, I mean, one of them might have four. I I don't Mm -hmm. think anything has more than that Um, because really it's, it's about the personal growth and it's about the relationship building more than, more than the physical aspects of like just having sex. And so Having Michaela be um, not ready for sex, uh, first of all, in part, like, for a long time, they were stuck in the jungle. And um, I just really, the idea of writing, like, okay, I've been out in the jungle for two days and, um, you know, without a shower, uh, sex just didn't really, it didn't didn't really seem to fit. Um, But also, it, it just it it gave a lot more time for them to form an emotional bond okay. and and with the hero in this book being he he's been betrayed a number of times by by family and by people he thought he could trust i needed to show that even though he'd been betrayed so many times he didn't necessarily trust other people but he then wanted to go overboard to make sure she trusted him and so having her be very tentative and unsure and and not ready for things that he thinks are second just second nature like the, the there's the there's one scene when very early in the book where he answers the his hotel room door and he's not wearing a shirt and she just kind of goes Oh my God! I I just you know just covers her eyes and backs away and and starts you know tripping over her own words because she's just not ready for that. Like it's not like she's not opposed to it so much as it just is such a shock to her. Like guys don't do that. Like yeah. nobody, no guy has ever answered the door to to my knock shirtless. Like what do I do now? Oh my God! <laughs> um, and so it just it 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 gave a good. Um, opportunity for him to show that he was respectful and sensitive and observant towards what she needed at the time. Right.
1: <clears throat> Amazing. Well I loved the um I love the book. I love the little excerpt that you provided uh for me to read out, which I just absolutely extraordinary um stuff that you're writing.
0: Okay, where can readers find you? Uh so pretty much everywhere. Let's see. Uh my website is patriciaddy.com. Um, most of my social media is Patricia D Eddy. So, um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, I think is Patricia D Eddy.author. dot author. Um, but let's see, I'm on Facebook, uh, the away from keyboard series and the gone rogue series are on all, uh, ebook retailers. So Amazon, okay. Kobo, Apple, um, Barnes and Noble, Google play. Uh, I do have some books in Kindle unlimited, um, mostly my paranormal, uh, romances, but there are a couple of, um, uh, military romances in there too, from another another series. Um, I'm on BookBub. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty much everywhere. everywhere, but really, yeah, Facebook and, and and Instagram are where I spend most of my time. Um, okay. So those are probably the best places to to find me. And then I have a reader group on Facebook um, called Patricia's Unstoppable Forces. So um, oh, I love it. Perfect. My, my original tagline and the one that, I mean, I still use it in a lot of places uh, were when unstoppable forces meet immovable objects, sparks fly. Ah, so. <laughs> perfect. Absolutely.
1: Saoirse, <laughs> so. thank you so much for doing this. It's been a real pleasure to read your work and have you talk about it.
0: Oh, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. And, and just talking to another person in this time of, uh, Staying home has just been wonderful. It's kind of <laughs> wild. I know. It's kind of crazy. I can go
1: days without talking to anybody who's not in my immediate family these, these
0: days. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, you're another person? That's crazy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patricia. Yep. I right, Thank you.
1: I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.